Let us pray. Our precious Father, we want to thank you again for the privilege we have to study together tonight. We are committing everything into your hand that you will teach us by your spirit and grant us revelation in the knowledge of the truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we are studying the book of Ephesians and we are talking about faith, the shield of faith. Our text is Ephesians 6 verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having guided your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, to understand faith, we need to go back because that's the disconnect uh, that Christians are struggling with. Many people are struggling with faith. So many people. But we need to go back and then do some background teaching that will help us see why and to understand actually what faith, the dynamics of faith, then it will be easy for you. So we want to talk about the spirit life. The spirit life. Now to understand faith more perfectly, we need to understand the spirit life of the believer. For the faith we are talking about, which is the faith of God, is not the physical faith. It's not faith of the physical realm. It's not the faith of human reign that we are talking about. And so people mix it up and they fail. God is a spirit, for instance. You don't talk about the faith of God, the faith that God exercises, and then you, you, it, you think it is the natural faith. God is a spirit. So if we're talking of the faith of God, then we're talking of a spiritual phenomenon a spiritual activity that is not natural. It's not in the natural realm at all. So God is a spirit. So we want to exercise the same faith that God exercises, which means if God is a spirit, then that has to be the, the, spirit, the faith in the spirit realm. That's why it is about things you don't see, but they are real. And so... We must understand that it is a spiritual phenomenon which does not depend on natural realities. This is why many are confused about the life of it and fail to understand it and, fail to understand it and exercise it on a more continuous basis because they do not understand that the nature of God kind of faith that we are talking about is a spiritual thing. Let me say it again. Is a spiritual faith. If you're talking about God kind of faith, you can't be talking about human kind of faith, which is based on the physical, on what you see, which human beings exercise. Now, we must understand the spirit life to be able to articulate these things properly. Understanding of our spiritual identity, which is as real as a physical identity, starts with uh, what happens when we were born again. 
the born again experience comes at the center of it. Comes smack at the center of it. When we received a new life through our Lord Jesus Christ, we received a new life. We received a new spirit life. A new spirit being. So let's revisit that important foundational truth of being born again. Because if you don't, if people, people think that born again is what they say in the Pentecostal circle. So it doesn't really mean anything to a lot of people. And they don't live by the reality of it because they don't understand really what it is. But it's your born again spirit that exercises faith. That's where the trouble is. It's that spirit that exercises faith. And when you pray in the spirit, the Holy Spirit uses that spirit to pray. So we need to go and look at being born again. So we can understand the spirit life we're talking about. And that's why some people think that the natural life is the, is the Christian life we're talking about. And so we spend the time trying to be better. That's not, that's not why Jesus came. That's what he did give, give us. So, he, he, the, the, so we go back to what we received when we came to Christ. What did we receive? It's the miracle of the ages. Being born again. Being born of the Spirit of God. It's called being born again. This is where our race spirit life starts. Being born again is important. It's a reality. When you neglect it, you walk in the flesh. You become unminded. You don't neglect it. You don't. So being born again, it's not just an idea or a Pentecostal jargon. We, we hear when we get saved and we forget it. The rest, one, two, three, five, we forget it. We don't even live in this reality. It doesn't play a role in what we're doing. That's where the confusion is. That's why people don't get it. It's like you have a baby, you ignore your baby. In John 3, 3, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Four. So, he said, what do you mean? Exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Friends, being born again is not making you better. It, this is the point. People think Christianity is, oh, I'm better. Let me try and be better. It, that's not Christianity. Absolutely not. But that's what we do. And we urge people to try and be better. If try and be better is Christianity, then we didn't need Jesus to come now. We can try and be better. This is the key thing that Jesus said came to give you life. Being born again. Creating you new person. The spirit man. And so the man said, the Nicodemus said, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? You can, you can understand his thinking. He's thinking in the natural. That's why many people leave. And that's why carnal mindedness is dominant. Thinking in the natural. He's saying, how can? Thinking an old man like me go to my mother's womb. How can? Jesus replied, I assure you, no man can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans 
can reproduce only human life. You can't enter the kingdom with that. Only human life. But the Holy Spirit gives birth a spiritual life. There are two types of life here. The Holy Spirit gives birth. To birth is to give birth. Is to produce. Is to give birth. Just like you have, you, you, you have natural birth, there is spiritual birth. That's where our spiritual life starts. Born again. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. Now, because Jesus said, you, you have to be born again of water and spirit, let's even see what he's saying. And remember that Jesus taught with parables, with metaphors, with allegories. He taught with parables. He taught with metaphors. He taught with allegories. So in Ephesians 5.25, with that in your mind, Let's read Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wife just as Christ also loved the church, gave himself for her. 26. That he must sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. You see, the metaphor that our Lord used here is water to describe the word. We say, why? Because what water is to life is what the word is to our spiritual life. Without water, there's no life. If there's no water, we all die. Plants, human beings will die. So Jesus is using a metaphor of water to teach us the deep truth of the word of God. What water is to us naturally, to our life, it's what the word of God is. So he said, cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Cleanse by the word. Okay, so let's look at First Peter 1.23 to confirm that it's the word of God that's talking about, that we're born again through the word of God. First Peter 1.23, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. Our salvation is not of anything natural, people. Nothing. Natural. It's a spiritual experience. Born of, that born of the Spirit is spirit. It's from the Holy Spirit. It's not naturally. So he said, but not, but not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. Through the word of God. You see, when Jesus was talking about through water, he's talking about word of God. He's talking about the word of God. Cleansing her with the water by the word of God. Now the Holy Spirit says, through the word of God. Which lives and abides forever. The word of God lives. It has life. And abides forever. Remember the Bible says, it's, the Bible says it's, it's powerful. It's, it enters everything. And it, all of a sudden you begin to call him him. Now, let's see further proof that Jesus was talking about the word of God when he talked about water right there. In 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. You see, preaching of the cross, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Verse 21, for after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. He pleased God by the foolishness of preaching 
to save them that believe. So he's talking about preaching the word. Verse 22, for the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. So it's so clear what you preach. Jesus is the word, Christ crucified. Jesus said you are clean because of the words I've spoken to you. Christ crucified. Unto the Jews a stumbling block, unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. So we are born again through the preaching of Christ, preaching of the cross, preaching of the word. Christ is the word. Don't be confused. Christ is not the law. Jesus is not the Lord of Moses. Jesus is the living word, which the written word reveals to us. And then what does he mean by being born of the spirit? Again, John 3, 6. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. You're born of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives birth to that spirit life in you. That born again spirit. It's not born again natural body. It's spiritual body. You are born a spirit living in a body. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. So you can see we are born, and then we are born babes. We are born babes. We're going back to spiritual life because we need to go back there and see where we start the journey and see how we grow and see how only by that spirit will you understand the word of God. And when the scripture talks about sons of God, children of God, it's talking about that spirit because it's not talking of your flesh. It's referring to that spirit that is born of the spirit. That's the one that belongs to God. That's the one that goes to heaven. The one that is born of the flesh is the one we put in the ground here. It will die. But that one born of God does not die. The Bible says, blessed is the man in whose spirit there is no guide. In whose spirit there is no guide. So we are born babies. And because we are born babies, we, it immediately reveals the need for us to grow spiritually. Now, if we don't grow spiritually, we'll struggle with faith. I struggle with everything Christianity. Because like Nicodemus, we bring everything in the realm of the natural. Get confused. The word of God is spirit too. It's spirit. Addressing spiritual realities. God is a spirit. So we must understand how to grow up spiritually so that we'll be able to understand the language of God. Understand the language of God. I said it some time ago that spiritual babies, like natural babies, do not understand the language of their parents or the language of God like adults do. So how do we grow spiritually? Everything is on the word of God. The same way you feed natural food to grow. That's the way you feed spiritual food to grow. And the Bible makes it clear what that food is. It is the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It is the work of grace. It is the work of the cross. It's not Ten Commandments. Christ 
is that food that grows your spirit. Acts 20, 32. And so now I entrust you into God's hands and the message of his grace. The message of his grace is the gospel. Is the gospel, people. It's about Christ and him crucified and what he did for you on the cross. What, is, what he is to you now. What you are to him now. That's what will make you grow spiritually. Message of his grace. Which is all you need to become strong. All of God's blessings are imparted through the message of his grace. All of it. Because that's what Jesus came to bring us. Through his death, burial, and resurrection. That's what makes you grow. Let me say it again. It is the knowledge of Christ crucified that makes you grow. First Peter 2, 2 says, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. You know, Jesus, using metaphors again, described himself as the bread of life. Oh, some denominations think that it is natural bread. No, no. We're talking of the incorruptible, not the corruptible. Man made is corruptible. Talking of being born again of the incorruptible. The life is given is the spiritual life of God. It's not bread you eat. And he explained it in John chapter 6, I think verse 33. If you read 33, he said it in verse 30, I think verse 41 to 43, from verse 47 to 51. He kept saying, he said, it's I'm the bread of life. He said, I came so you have eternal life, that if you eat this bread, you won't die again. He said, the bread Moses gave you, you people died. It's the natural one. I brought you spiritual food. You won't die again. He said, the bread I give, give is my flesh, my, my flesh which I'm giving for you. If I don't die, I won't have that life. Because it is since he died, since he died, when we died with him, in his resurrection, we rose up with a new life. It's not something you eat to have. And he mentioned it, I said, if you believe, you have this life. He said all of that. You don't get born again by eating bread. It's by believing. He said all of it there. Say, if you believe, you have this life. If you believe in me, you have this life. So he is the bread of life. Number one, after this foundation that all the things we need to grow it's in the word of God. Let's not digest how we can apply it. How do you apply the word of God to make you grow? Number one, we need to meditate on the word of God, on Christ. We need looking unto Jesus. Don't ever take your eyes away from Jesus, the son of God. Do not let anything distract you from studying, focusing like Paul that you might know him. Don't. You need to meditate on the knowledge of Christ. 
what he did for you, who he made you to be, who you are to him, who he is to you, all the privileges he affords you, you need to meditate on these things. Friends, we live in dangerous times of false doctrines that is taking people away from focus on Jesus and giving them religion. Jesus is the author and finisher of your faith. Friends, Joshua 1 8 says, This book of the Lord shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. God told Joshua that meditation is key to succeeding in life. But meditating on, then Joshua had the law then, but we don't have the law now. For the scripture says that as if we are under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we are no more under the law. That, 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 that dispensation of the law has come to an end with the dispensation of grace starting with Christ. Remember, it is the message of his grace that makes you grow and gives you all your blessings. So in a typical New Testament version of John 1.8, We'll be talking about this knowledge of Christ, this word of Jesus is the living word. John 1, 1 to 8. First John 1, 1 to 8. 1 to 2. First John 1, 1 to 2. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. Are you looking for, when the Bible said, study the word, he is the word of life. The word that gives life. Christ is the word of life. Book of Revelation said his name is the word of God. The word that was, that was with God and became flesh. Christ is that one. He's the bread of life. He's the manner of life. He's the source of life. He's the giver of life. Is the world of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim that he is the one who is eternal life. He is eternal life. He is the word of God. He was with the Father and then he was revealed to us. Was with the Father, was revealed to us. His eternal life. He is the word of life. His life itself is the giver of life. He said, I came, you, I give you life. Friends, let me say this. You will not have spiritual development unless you meditate on the knowledge of Christ. It will be practically impossible to grow in ignorance of Jesus. It will be very, very, very difficult for a Christian to mature spiritually who is not meditating, who is not meditating on Christ, on the knowledge of Jesus. It will be tough 
difficult to do that. In fact, my mentor, Reverend Ken Hagen, he put it this way. He said, nobody can grow spiritually who does not meditate on the word of God. And I added this one. Nobody can reach his full spiritual potential without meditation on the word of God. Nobody can. You can be busy. You can have all the excuses in the world. But if you don't find time to meditate on the words of his grace, on the words of his grace, on the words of the cross, on the works of the cross, on the son of the living God, the author and finisher of your faith, you will not grow spiritually. You can be religious. You can quote scriptures. Paul knew it. He said, I have only one life ambition, is to know Christ and him crucified. That's what we should do. Why is meditation important? Because the key to hearing is meditation. Dwelling on what you hear until it takes root in your consciousness as true. Then your response will be in agreement with that. Here is an interesting study I quoted when we did the Living Word Conference. I want to bring it back here again. When we hear something, hearing alone makes you retain just 10 to 20% of what you hear. You can now see why people do not know much about God and do not talk, do not walk in faith a lot. See? see? You can see. Because all they do is hear. Reading alone makes you retain 20 to 40% of what you hear. Of what you hear. Studying alone makes you retain 40 to 60% of what you hear. Memorizing alone makes you retain 60 to 80% what you hear. But meditating alone, meditating alone makes you retain 80 to 100% of what you hear. Just thinking about it, talking to the Lord about it, dwelling on it, fellowshipping with it. It helps you to digest the word. And then as you're interacting with the word with your spirit, then the Holy Spirit begins to give you revelation, which is what you need. Which is what you need to grow. Revelation. 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 2 Peter 1.19, and we have the prophetic word made farmer still. You will do well to pay close attention to it as a lamp shining in a dismal, squalid, and dark place until the day breaks through the gloom and the morning star rises, comes into being in your heart. You do well. You do well to pay close attention to scriptures, the prophetic words. You do well. You do well. Peter said it's a more sure word of prophecy than the, than the vision that they saw of Elijah and Moses. The Bible, the word of God, is a more sure word than all the visions you can have. 
all the dream you can have. The Bible is authoritative. It's the only source of doctrine. Not your dream. Peter said, we saw him, we have tried that excellent glory, but we have a more sure word of prophecy, which you do well. You do well to dwell on and pay close attention to. Because that word, he said, we have squalor in our, in our heart. We have all these things that are not true, unbelief, some of them shown by the devil, some of them from experiences, some, some of them from friends and all manner of stuff that we have. Say so that word, we need to pay attention and focus on it, meditating on it, until it breaks, until that light pierces through it. Then the entrance of the word will bring understanding. Revelation comes. And he says something very important, verse 20. Yet first, you must understand this, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of personal or private or special interpretation, loosening or resolving it. You see, this is what a lot of people do. They read scripture, they interpret it, they think they have the liberty to just, just talk. You wonder, where are these people coming from? They, they just give it with one mental interpretation and take the script and confuse themselves. We don't have that, that privilege. Only the Holy Spirit can interpret scripture, using scripture to interpret scripture in context. In context. Don't interpret scripture in the context of cultures, in context of people's experience and all that. He said, for no prophecy ever originated because some man willed it to. It never came by human impulse. So human beings cannot use their intellectualism to be interpreting scripture. I say, yeah, but that's what he said. <laughs> it's not like that. It has to be revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. Because the entrance of the word is needed, constant only through meditation. Psalm 119, The entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. It gives understanding to, to those who have the heart of children. Heart of, not those who know too much, like the Pharisees. Entrance of your word gives light. Light is enlightenment, revelation. It gives understanding. It has to enter. Meditation makes it enter. Otherwise, we end up ignorant Christians. Second Timothy 3.7 describes it like this. Ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's how it describes it. Ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Because they have no time to, to digest it by meditation. Let me bring some things that uh, my mentor, uh, Reverend Kenneth Hagin, taught along this line in his teaching about developing human spirit. It's on YouTube, and it has, I think it has a book on it, Developing the uh, Human Spirit. So some things, these are some points he made, which I think is relevant, and I'm going to quote them here. Um, that is Rema, Rema uh, Ministries. Prat he said, practicing the word be a doer of the word. Being a doer of the word, not Ten Commandments. We are no more under the Ten Commandments. People. Galatians 5.18, that if you, are, if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. That's why the book of James, Joshua 1.8 that says this book of the law, that, that portion, book of the law, does not apply. We are not under the law anymore. That's why we are saying that 
What should not depart is the testimony of the gospel. The testimony of his grace, the work of his grace, should not depart from our mouth, we should meditate on it in place of the book of the law. Now, James 1.22 says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. For if you are, for any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, goeth his way, and straightway forgeteth what manner of man he was. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty, mark this word by the grace of God, will explain it now. You have a great understanding. Perfect law of liberty. Perfect law of liberty. Whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continueth in that law of liberty, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So he's telling us how to be doers of the word. He said there's a law of liberty we're looking to. If we continue in it, if we continue in it and not forgetting it. So the key to understanding here is what is that law of liberty? This is what it means. The Old Testament laws brought the people into bondage to sin. Because the strength of sin is the law. But the New Testament brought us into freedom in Christ. I want to read scriptures to show you what the law of liberty means. So that you know when you say be you doers of the world, you know what it's referring to. You are doers of the works of Christ. The works that Jesus completed. It started by saying be doers of the world and ends by being doers of the works. Now look at Galatians 4.24. So you see that when he talks of the law of liberty, there's another law in the New Testament too. There's another law. It's called the law of faith. That's why I keep saying the obedience in the New Testament is faith. Because faith is acting on the word. Acting on the word. It calls it the law of faith. Now, there's the law of the Ten Commandments. Look at Galatians 4.24. These two women serve as an illustration of God's two covenants. The first woman, Hagar, represents Mount Sinai. Listen to this. Where people receive the law that enslaved them. He said they received the law that enslaved them. They received the law that enslaved them. 25. And now Jerusalem is just like, just like Mansina in Arabia because she and her children live in slavery to the law. It's your Bible. Verse 26. But the other woman said, I represent the heavenly Jerusalem. She is the free woman. And she's our mother. So the, the, the laws of the Old Testament brought them slavery. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 56. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Whatever people are preaching the law, it strengthens sin. It does not bring freedom. For only the truth in Christ that we know brings freedom. It's what Christ did that sets us free. 
The strength of sin is the law. The Holy Spirit said they received the law that enslaved them. But thanks be to God, which giveth us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what is this? Now, we have seen the law of the Old Testament enslave the people. Unfortunately, a lot of, a lot of congregations in the New Testament today still preach it. They preach about laws, the laws, the laws, so many laws, and they add their own denominational laws. But look at another law that is the law of liberty, that the writer is talking about. Romans 3, 27. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No. But by the law of faith. <laughs> Man, the law of faith. What does the law of faith say? Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. When you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. You are no more under the slavery of sin. You are justified before Christ, before God. The Holy Spirit said it's a law. It's a law of faith. When you don't believe it, you break it. You break that law. This is the law of liberty. The law of faith. The law of faith. The law of faith. If the Son shall set you free, you are free indeed. It's called the law of faith. How does it work? When you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you receive freedom. But if you go follow the law, it enslaves you. So, James is saying, when you look into this perfect law of liberty, this law of faith, this law that says when you come to Christ, you are set free, you are justified, you are born again, you are healed, you are blessed. If you look into it and you continue to believe it, walk, believe in the walk, 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 you are a doer of the word, you will be blessed. Because you believe it, you'll be in agreement, it works for you. That's why we should meditate on Christ. The law of liberty. The law of faith. Justified in Christ Jesus. It's a law. Number three. We say that we should be doers of the word. Which means if, Christ, if the Bible says it, the, the gospel says it, we believe it. That's being a doer. When you... When you, when you believe, you act. Faith acts. Faith acts. Faith acts. Without action, there's no faith. If you believe in the law of liberty, if the scripture says this, you've been set free, believe it. You act like it's true. That's how you grow spiritually. The other point they made is by giving the word first place. Proverbs 420, my son, attend to my words. Incline thy ear unto my sayings. Incline thy ear unto my sayings. Incline thy ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thy eyes. Keep them in the midst of thy heart. 22, for they are life unto those who find them and health to all their flesh. What is this saying? Give attention to my word. 
don't subordinate my word to any other word. Incline your ear to what I'm saying. Forget about what others are saying. Practice it. Practice it. Practice giving the word of God first place in your life. And we sing it if God says it, and I believe it. And that's settled. But sometimes God says it, television says another, internet says another, and all this, all manner of people say whatever. The Bible says there are many voices in the world. But God said, no, give my, my word first place. If you do, you find life. You find life. You live in eternal life. You find health. I was telling pastor, I said, how come God is telling us how to prosper? We should be listening now. God is telling us how to be healthy and how to find life. We should be listening now. You grow, you find life. You grow, you find life. You grow, spiritually you grow. It's not talking of natural life. It's not talking of life you get by bread and butter. You find life because the word feeds your spirit. Heals it, cleanses it. It's the word of God. Same power as the Holy Spirit has. The word does incredible things. Give it attention. Don't go rationalizing it, uh, to trying to consult your friends so that you find somebody who, who will believe, who will give you something so you won't you won't you disregard what God said. That's what people do. They come to you now, pastor, they, and you, <laughs> they, they want you to side in with them. They know what God said, though, but they will come to be taken to you so that you join the support them. And we don't support them, wahala. They know what God said, though. No, no. But they will rationalize, find this, give reasons. The word of this person, the word of that person. Peter said, are we going to obey God or human beings? Practice it. When you do that, you are going to be persecuted. But who cares? Get persecuted. But walk in life, walk in health. Get persecuted. Then the other thing is instantly obeying the voice of your spirit. You know, your spirit talks to you through your conscience. And some of the time, we, we rationalize our spirit out. Your conscience, let me tell us something. Listen to me, everybody. Your conscience will never bother you if you do what is right. Your conscience can't bother you because you are praying or you came to church. But once your conscience begins to bother you about something, that thing has something wrong in it. Don't, the, what we try to do is we rationalize after I didn't do anything wrong. What, I, what, did, I, what did I do wrong? And you, you are covering it up. That's, that's one way to develop hardened heart. You will not repent from that because you have hardened your heart, protected it. But that's what the devil will use. That's what Satan will use. You are building a, a, a landing pad for it without knowing. We should be sensitive to our conscience. Paul said that 
I endeavor to have a conscience that void of offense before man and God. Void of offense. If your conscience bothers you about anything, don't rationalize it. You are deceiving yourself. You believe you me, you are perpetuating yourself in that thing. And giving the devil inroad into your life, causing you troubles, because you'll be praying and praying, something has happened, praying and praying. But you build that inroad. Number five, this is what I added here. Develop deep intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Do not neglect the person of the Holy Spirit in your life. When I wake up, I talk to him. Before I go to bed, I talk to him. When I wake up, I say, Holy Spirit, good morning. I know you're here. And I say, you, you're the Spirit of Christ. You're the Spirit of God. You've been sent to guide me, help me, teach me. I said, I yield my life to you. I want to honor you. I want to recognize you. I can't live without you. I can't do anything without you. I trust my life into your merciful hand to guide me, teach me, instruct me, help me. I just tell him that. And during the day, I ask, I ask him questions. When I, when I was studying, preparing, I asked him, I said, what is this law of liberty? He taught me this I'm teaching. I said, Lord, I don't know. I've been reading about this law of liberty. What is it? He, he showed it to me. He said, the law of it. Law of it. You come to Christ, say to you free. So you ask him, you should study scripture. Try, try to ask him to teach you now. Ask him questions about on your daily, as you run your life. Try to have conversation with him. And then don't, don't be listening to hear audible voice. The devils will take, take over from you, from you too. He will talk to you within your heart and from scriptures, even from conversation with people. Develop intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Let me say something. You cannot know Jesus without the help of the Holy Spirit. It's not possible. You can't know God except the Holy Spirit teaches you. You cannot know the things of God except the Holy Spirit teaches you and helps you. It's not possible. But we, many Christians neglect him. Whether he's there or not, they don't know. 1 Corinthians 12, 3. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. And that no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. No man can say that Jesus is Lord. Nobody can, can understand it, but by the Holy Ghost. Matthew 16, 16. And Simon Peter answered, said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon, Bajona, for flesh and blood had not revealed it unto you, but by my Father which is in heaven. So how does the Father walk? He said, By my Spirit, says the Lord. The Spirit of God taught you this. You cannot understand the scriptures. You cannot know God. You cannot know Jesus. You cannot understand Bible studies, Pishikin, except the Holy Spirit, who is your teacher, takes these things and teaches you and brings the revelation. No human being can give you revelation, only Him. Otherwise, the things will be Greek. And at the worst, you start using your brain to, to, and get more confused. I told them yesterday, I said, faith is not a gamble. Faith is not a gamble. Faith is more real than natural things. If, if, you, if you walk by your spirit and you know that God has done this thing, it's not a gamble. Now, how can it be a gamble when you know in reality that this is done? <laughs> Even though it's not sure, you know it's not a gamble. It's a, in fact, it is the natural life that's a gamble. Faith Spiritual things that no, no. It's a gamble if you are, have carnal mindedness and confused about it. 
But you know it. No, it's not a gamble. You know it, you know it's true. So that you don't see it makes no difference. People who have kind of mind will be afraid and debate you. You're not interested in that. Because you know it, for sure. It's not a gamble. So the result is we grow spiritually. After a time, we begin to understand God's language of faith. Because God talks about things not seen. Cause those things that are not as if they were. I don't see them. The faith of God is a spiritual phenomenon. He's talking of spiritual realities. Faith is about things not seen. Not seen. So when God is talking about things not seen, if you have not spiritually grown, it will throw you off. The devil brings fear. And you start rationalizing. And you fall back to your second line where you're comfortable. You fall back and then he says it's not working. It works. Works all the time. So you know, then you begin to, and easily you can more easily know what is of God, and what is of Satan, and what is of your flesh. You can more easily discern it. You can more easily know this is God. This is the devil. This is coming from my natural mind. You can more easily discern it. And you can discern the will of God more easily as you grow spiritually. All the confusion begins to disappear. The same thing that happens when we grow naturally. You can understand life better. You can, so you can walk on the street safer. A baby is not safe. He doesn't know anywhere. And we understand the workings of the Holy Spirit better. The inward witnessing, and you know, it, it, I mean, it, it becomes so real. He makes Jesus so real. All this lukewarmness will go. Jesus cannot be real to you and you're lukewarm. Forget it. It's not true. Those who know their God, they're always stronger. And they do express. So that's why this growth is very important. And number two, is that it brings out the, the new nature you have and makes it manifest. Because then you have stopped childish things. You know, you know, baby Christians can't control their tongue, can't control their mouth by what they say. They can't. And they can't control themselves. The anger, the truth, the tantrums, all those things. You know the same thing with natural children. Natural children can't control their mouth. In the middle of service, they can cry they don't, because they don't know the environment. They don't keep secret. They will tell a stranger, my mother said we should not eat in your house. Because they don't know anything. Very unstable. Extremely unstable. Children are very unstable. Spiritual babies are the same way. The children throw tantrums. If they want to break mist, they start yelling, screaming, right there, give it to me. 12 million, one, it doesn't care. The same thing with spiritual babies. They throw tantrums easily. Easily. They are controlled by their senses and their distance and carnal mind. That's, that's, how, that's what it is. But now, because you are growing spiritually, you outgrow those things. You, they become really childish. You, you just see them the way they are. They become really childish. Honestly, then you, you understand divine values. You, you, you begin to see the value of allowing somebody else to say something. You see the value of forgiveness. 
You see the value of loving the other person. You see the value that it mustn't be your way now. You begin the joy to allow others say something, even if they are wrong. Sometimes they are wrong, you keep quiet. You don't say, it's not everything you answer now. It's not everything. You see, you see the new, new, new nature beginning to shine. Things should show more and more because you are no more carnally minded. You have become more spiritually minded. You are now being controlled by the spirit more and more because of your spiritual growth. Romans 12, 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable passage will of God. See, because your mind is being renewed, changed by the revelations that the Spirit of God is giving you about who you are, what Christ has made you to be, and these are becoming real and real. They become the value, you see their value and their glory, and the glory of this world dissipates in your eyes. What, what, what used to be glory to you will not be. And let me tell you what happens. Your friends change. <laughs> if you start growing spiritually, your friends change even within the church. Your friends change. Because best of the same feather flock together. All those, those people who are, not, who, don't, who are not really in that realm where you are, they begin to avoid. You, you can't please them. You can't. Because they gossip and they do this and it stinks. The thing, it's like you don't drive anybody. They, they just leave you alone. All the friends you have in the world will leave you alone. Based of the same feather, they will always flock together. You will, you will be very uncomfortable to them. Very, very. Very uncomfortable. I'm telling you. And some of them will start talking about you. Some of them start hating you, calling you names. It's all part of not having not grown. They found value in those kind of things. Now, when you have grown and you can hear the word of God, faith comes natural. <laughs> See where it works? Faith comes natural. Because now you understand what God is saying. Now you're understanding when God says, this is what I've done. And because you are familiar with his voice, because you've been meditating on scripture, interacting with his spirit, you know what he's telling. In the midst of that confusion, you will know, oh, this is what God says. You see, faith comes natural. You begin to live more by faith than by sight. Why? You have known his fellowship. You know his presence. You know his voice. He's so real to you. And he's proving him that his word is true. Not because they told you, but by experience. Because you've been experiencing him. So when things are difficult, like David, you've seen him walk before. You know what the scripture says. You can stand on it. You see how faith is, we need to develop spiritually so we can also grow in our faith. But if we don't grow spiritually, no matter what you teach, people who are kind of minded will confuse then faith comes by hearing. Yeah, they've been hearing it. Now. But now, when you grow spiritually, your hearing improves. You begin to live by your new man. You begin to live by your spirit, which hears God. Your hearing improves and improves and improves. How can you be in the church and then somebody brings prayer topic and God, God goes to somebody and says, don't pray that prayer with them. 
Of all of you, <laughs> you say, don't pray that prayer with. I is not. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. So if you are a spiritual baby and you don't hear, how does faith come? You won't hear now. You'll be doing another Nicodemus and be talking about the natural, you know, I've not seen this. This is not working for me. And I said, all you talk about is trouble, work out. That's all negative stuff. It's no thing to give God glory about. You remember Paul and Silas, they were in the prison. And instead of grumbling, they were worshiping God. They were worshiping God. No, no, no tambourine, no organ, nothing. And they were in pain. In pain. Their spirit was in tune with the Holy Spirit. They were being controlled by the Spirit of God. So instead of murmuring, they began to sing and the prisoners had them. And you see, God doesn't come to church to dance to your music. No, <laughs> he doesn't come to dance to our musical. God showed up there and shook the whole place up. Release them. Faith works. Faith activates the power of God. That's why the shield of faith is what quenches all the fairy that. If, if you put it up, the power of God is put up. Nothing can match it. But you need to spiritually grow so they can also know the voice of God. Understand what God is telling you. So when you read scripture, you hear it. It's not a, a, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You didn't hear anything. <laughs> you didn't hear nothing. Somebody had a voice, a, a verse there, and the thing, boom, and he made a note. You didn't hear nothing. It's thanks be to God. Well, you know, God, God has called you to glory. Yes. God has called you to victory. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah. Amen, amen. You didn't hear nothing. It's emotional response. First Corinthians two thirty. First Corinthians two thirty. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but quit the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual, but the natural man, the carnal Christian, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. So how can he receive the word? How can he have it? For they are foolishness on them. Because they can't see them. It's another Nicodemus. Neither can he know them. Because they are spiritually discerned. They are not carnally discerned. He grows spiritually. He begins to spiritually see things. No more physically see things. He knows when to shut up. He knows what God is saying. He knows the guidance of the Holy Spirit. He's a spirit-led man, not flesh-led man. He's the doer. He's the one the doer of the word. He lives in the reality of the law of faith. He knows he's a new creature, born again. He has privileges with God. He knows that not, <laughs> no matter what people do, it means nothing. Because 
If God opens a door, nobody can close. He doesn't fight over things. He works in peace. So they understand who they are. Spiritually, like Paul did. They have a new life. They have eternal life. Not the extension of the natural life. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. Either way, Christ's love controls us now. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. You see, do have the word, the Lord of faith. When you believe, when you believe, these are your benefits. When you, the Lord of faith. Either way, Christ's love controls us now. Since we believe, number one, believe that Christ died for all. We also believe, number two, that we have all died to our own life. You see, it's believing, it's believing, it's believing. We also believe that we all died to our own life. Fifteen. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life, you see what he received? New life. Not trying to be better. Not the extension of the natural life. He received a new life. Born of the spirit. We no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. You see, all this is, the testimony is coming out of the gospel. Coming out of the, the message of grace. It didn't come out of, I want to be better. I'm working harder to do better. That's not what Paul is saying here. He didn't say, I'm trying to, no, no. It's I received a new life. Those who receive that life, this is what they do. This is what it does. The spirit of the love of God controls them. See, so we have stopped evaluating others from human point of view. We're no more carnal. We become spirit-minded people. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from human point of view. How differently we know Him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Is born again. Is is born of the spirit. It's not the one born in the by by flesh, born of the spirit. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. So, the new life the, the, the matured spiritual Christian is living is not an extension to get better. No, 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 no. He has a Paul said, "I have a new life. The old one is gone." His focus is on the new life. That's why it develops your spiritual life. By all these things we said, meditating on the word, giving, it, giving the word first place, you know, being a doer of the word. Let me say something. The life we received, this new life we received, is called eternal life, people. My friends, it's the life of God. It is degradation of God to compare the life of God with the human life. To compare the life of Christ, the life of God, the eternal life that God gave you, to, to think it's, it's like human life. They're not the same. The Christian life is not about your human life. It's about the eternal life, the spirit life, born of the spirit, born again, which you develop, this, the life of Christ. The best of human life cannot be compared with the life of God. The best of human behavior is nowhere near the eternal life you have. Don't even compare them. 
Psalm 39, 5. Behold, thou hast made my days as an handbreadth, and my age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. The best of human nature is filthy rag compared to the life of Christ, the life of God. He gave you. That's the life of the Christian, the eternal life. Not this one. But that's, this is what people think it is. So they are making an effort to improve on that one. And the Bible said the, the every man at his best estate is altogether vanity. All that is vanity and fitting. Look at, let me show you somebody. John 1, 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said concerning him, See, here is the Israelite indeed, a true descendant of Jacob, in whom there is no guile, nor deceit, nor falsehood, nor duplicity. You see this, Nathanael? He must be born again. This life Jesus described here is nothing compared to the purity and the holiness of God and the nature of God and the, and the love of God. It's nothing compared to it at all. The best a man can put out there is, is nowhere near the eternal life that Jesus gave us. It's nothing. Nathaniel, you must be born again. What you have, all these things I'm telling you, the best man in his best estate is altogether vanity. If you are not born again, you can't enter the kingdom of purity and holiness and righteousness, the spirit kingdom of God. You are not going there. This life, this life is not accepted. This life has fought. Ask 10. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man, and one that feared God with all his life house. Which gave much arms to the people and prayed to God always. Oh, is, this, is this what, is this, is it, God can say, okay, now this man is okay. He doesn't need eternal life again. No, no, no. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming to him and saying to, unto Cornelius, and when he looked, on him he said, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? He said unto him, thy prayers and thy arms are come up to God to a memorial before God. And now send men to Juppa. Call for one Simon, whose name is Peter. He lodged with one Simon eternal. Whose house is this, the seaside? He shall tell thee what you ought to do. This thing, Cornelius, God saw it. You still need to be born again. The best of man. Cornelius represents one of them. You know, somebody said, oh, that the reason that God, God sent an angel to Cornelius was because it was very good. No, the Lord told me it's not, it's not the reason. He said, the reason I use Cornelius is to show mankind that the best of mankind needs to be born again. He said, if I send a heathen, they will argue and say, after all, he's bad. He said, he needs to be born again. But we are good. He said, I use the best of them. To demonstrate to the world that the best of you is fitting right and needs to be born again to receive the life of God, purer than this life of Cornelius, holier than this life of Cornelius. More. There's no comparison. Human life and God's life, no comparison. 
What we received is the life of God. Spirit life. The Spirit gives life to spirit. What God battered in you is far better than what Cornelius was doing. Far better. But that's what people think. That's what God said. I'm not, she, I'm not bad, sir. After I'm not bad. Because they don't understand spiritual reality. They receive the eternal life. Eternal life is what you live. It's what you endeavor to live. It's what you want to manifest. You want Christ to manifest. You want Christ God to manifest. Not your goodness, not your best. The Bible didn't say put on your goodness. It said put on Christ. Put on the new man. John 10, 10. The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that you might have life. Better than what Cornelius had. Better than what Nicodemus had. Better than all of them. It's the life of God. Faith John 3. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning. Why? Because God's life. People, it's God's life. God's life, far better than anything a man can produce. God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. John 3, 15. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. God's life. That's Christian life. Not I'm better. I'm trying to be better. No, God's life is perfect. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. God's life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 John 5, 11. And this is the record that God has given to us eternal life. See that? God's life. And this life is in his son. He that had the son had life. He that had not the son of God had not life. If you don't have the son of God, you don't have this God's life. You are now going to the kingdom of God. All your goodness will not bring you there. That goodness is filthy rag compared to the life that Jesus died to give you. That's the life you aim to show. Not your goodness, not your And the way you do that is what, let me read Romans 8.4. It's only by faith that Christ will manifest in your life. It's only by faith that this life of God will manifest in your life. It's not your life. It's his life. It's the life of God. It's the life of Christ. It's not, it's not yours. It's yours because he lives in you. His spirit is joined to your spirit. But he's the dominant controlling person. Look at Romans 8.4. I'm reading message. This is how we live that life. When you grow spiritually... You begin to live this life of faith because you have revelation of this truth. Romans 8, 4. And now, what the law could ask, but we couldn't deliver, we couldn't deliver, it's accomplished as we, instead of redoubling our efforts, like many do, efforts to stop anger, they won't stop. To stop gossiping, they won't stop. To stop this, is not stopping. To try this, is not so I have fasted and prayed, it's not stopping. It's not stopping. It's not stopping. What God gave you is eternal life. There's no gossip in it. That life is pure. Christ is pure. You don't have to improve on it. 
All you have to do is to embrace what he gave you, believe by faith, and he starts manifesting. You activate it only by faith, not by effort. The just shall live by faith. Those who, verse 5, those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their moral muscles, but never get around to really assessing it in real life. They're always showing off, you know, I'm better now. I'm not too, I'm not too bad, sure. <laughs> those who trust God's action in them find that God's spirit is in them, living and breathing God. Six, obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. It's a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, open, into a special free life, the law of faith, law of perfect liberty. Jesus sets you free from anger, from this. You are free indeed. Doesn't need your effort anymore. Believe and you see. Verse 7. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God. Ends up thinking more about self than God. That person ignores who God is, what he's doing, and God isn't pleased at being ignored. Verse 9. But if God himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the Spirit of Christ, won't know what we're talking about. Verse 10. But for you who welcome him, in whom he dwells, even though you still experience all the limitations of sin, you yourself experience life of God in God's terms, which is by faith. It stands to reason, doesn't it? Verse 11. Verse 11. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves in your life, he will do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself when God lives breathes in you, and he does, as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from the dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Precious Father, we just want to thank you again for this marvelous, marvelous, marvelous truth. We need to grow spiritually. So we begin to grasp your language and cease to struggle and enter the rest of God. You warned us that Israel refused to trust you. And all the gospel preached to them did not benefit them. You want the church not to be like them. Lord, I pray that you help us to understand all of this. So we begin to desire to grow the spiritual life. To invest in it. We mature in it. So we can experience the fullness of our potentials in Christ. And then our joy will be full as we see that faith is a natural thing to us. Since this to be a struggle, it becomes a way of life. Victory becomes normal experience.
And we see that we're people of miracles, really. Because nothing is impossible to those that believe. And our joy is full, your name is glorified through our lives. Thank you, merciful Father. In Jesus' name we pray.